Good? Good morning, guys. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jake Mudgerzo. I'm the pastoral intern here at the Transit. Pastor Nick is traveling, so uh, you get the intern today. Um, we have, before we get started, yeah, two people excited. That's awesome. Um, that makes two of us. So uh, we have some guests here visiting, and uh, I'm going to introduce them in one second. If you've gone to our evangelism training or uh, discipleship training, we've had Gary, his wife, and the New Life Global Ministries team come and train us and equip us earlier in this year, two different times, and we were beyond blessed by having them come and train us. Um, and I'm being told that Gary has something to present the church. So Gary, if you would come on up, let me get you the other mic. There you go. You're good to go. Great. Hopefully. Is that good? There That's you go. Good. You're loud and clear. Well, we uh, just tried to sneak in here and spend some time with you guys today in worshiping the Lord. But there's a reason that we're here. We think it's so very important. Whenever God gives us the blessing and the honor of partnering with people for the kingdom of God, that we take time to acknowledge that. And that's really the whole reason. Our schedule has been so crammed full, busy. Praise Jesus for the kingdom since we were with you in September. Uh, and even saying that, we're going to be in five different continents over the next eight months because God just keeps opening wow. up more and more doors. Awesome. Praise God. It's humbling, it's overwhelming, and it's like, God, uh, you're so good what we just sang. Mm -hmm. So I want to read a verse, or a few verses for you, and then I'm going to turn it back to Jake, because uh, I, I kind of invaded his time, <laughs> but I appreciate that he's done this. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace. We said this when we were with you guys the last time. Immediately, God allowed there to be this connection with you. And we do, New Life Global Ministries, we constantly pray for you, the transit, with thanksgiving. We see God doing something significant in this body. So uh, at our annual ministry partner banquet, we had the honor of recognizing a few of those special partnerships. And guess what, guys? You're some of those. So this is what it says. Certificate of appreciation presented to Transit Church for your sacrificial, sacrificially partnering with the sending operations of New Life Global Ministries to advance the gospel here, there, and everywhere until there's no place left. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Awesome. It's a nice surprise. Thank you, thank everybody. You. Thank you. Here, I got you. Thank you. I'll take that. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Look at that. That works out well. Thank you. All right. So today, I got here this morning, and I got to say, I was filled with a little bit of joy. As you can see, Christmas has come to the transit, and it's my favorite time of the year. We had a lot of people uh, stay after the service last uh, Sunday and decorate the church. And so we want to say thank you to who did that. And then if you weren't here, last week was uh, Volunteer Appreciation Day. And we have little goodie bags on the table in the back. If you weren't here or you didn't get one last week, please stop and grab one. Um, I did some quick intern math of 
how many people it takes to have this Sunday morning service. And it's roughly 15 to 20 people every Sunday working behind the scenes that you don't see everything, you just see this. There's so much hard work going on behind the scenes and people working very hard. Um, so the least we can do is, is bless you all for your service, the transit, serving the Lord, and take a goodie bag. And if they run out, let me know. I will get you more. Uh, this morning, the title of our sermon will be Gratitude and Joy in Dedication. And we, we have to start with the basics of what is gratitude. It's the quality of being thankful, a readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. A readiness to show and, uh, your appreciation and return kindness. There's action with that. Remember that as we go through the text this morning, and that text will be Nehemiah 12, 27 through the end of the chapter. You can turn there now in your Bibles. Um, and as you're doing that, has anyone here had a power wheel when they were younger? Anyone? Man, some lucky people. So much joy with a power wheel, right? So much fun. And uh, I'm going to tell a story that no one in my family has ever heard this morning. It's exciting, terrifying. Um, well, I think I was about five or six. I got a little, it was like a kind of tricycle, power wheel kind of thing. And it had the full police pursuit package on it. It had the light bar, siren, radio, everything. So immediately after our Christmas morning, I went on duty and was riding that thing all around. But the story takes a dramatic turn. For some reason, I still don't know to this day why I did this. And I pray that the Lord will reveal it one day. But I wheeled that power wheel, my fresh present from my parents, to the side of the garage, out of sight from everyone, went to the garage, and I grabbed a baseball bat, and I struck that thing quite a few times and broke the light bar, destroyed the thing. I have no idea what I was doing. And, and thinking back, I'm just like, man, what, what an absolute horrible child. I was just given this gift, and for some reason, I have just dedicated it to destruction. And for some reason, I mean, in the moment, it probably brought me a little bit of joy to do that, I'm sure. And then after, immediate regret and shame, because I can't really enjoy it like I did. I, it wasn't being used for the intent now. I destroyed it. And uh, you got to think of my father's perspective, if he had known about this, or right now, is, <laughs> is you little punk. Unbelievable. If, if my son did that, I, uh, Lord help him. Uh, and I wasn't grateful for the gift that was given to me. I didn't realize the cost that was paid. It was, was a gift from my loving father who worked hard for me to have it. And I wasn't thankful. I wasn't gra you know, gracious in, in receiving the gift. And just take that as an example of how not to dedicate something. So that's something to think about as we go through the text uh, this morning. And I share that because we see the people of God dedicating the wall that has been built, right? Throughout Nehemiah, they built the wall. The wall was finished in chapter 7. And they're singing praises. They're thanking God for this gift that he's given. They, they have this wall and they recognize their sinful human condition. They realize where they were without God from generation to generation, how they wandered from his goodness and his mercy and his love. And what the people are doing is saying thank you to the Lord. It's common courtesy when you receive a gift to say thank you, not hit it with a baseball bat. That's what the people are doing. And... 
uh, just a quick recap we've seen in the last couple weeks. In Nehemiah, the people have responded to the word of God. They had conviction and then joy that they, they experienced the grace of God, even though they are so prone to wander from the love of God. His grace was sufficient, and that gave them joy, and they have entered into a covenant with God. Uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was. They enter into a fresh covenant. They sign it, and this is just them rededicating their lives to the Lord and everything they have to walk in obedience. And last week, Pastor Nick gave us three truths to thrive in the mundane. That should be heard again, I think. Uh, it was really helpful for me, so if you weren't here last week, I want you to hear it again. Now, the first one is, where you are is where God wants to use you. What you have is what God wants to use. And who you are is who God wants to use. So every single one of you here this morning, God has a plan and purpose for your life. You are precious in his sight. You've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. That is a high price. You are valuable and precious in the eyes of God. He's given you gifts, each and every one of you, and you contribute something to the body of believers. If you remember the hockey analogy from last week, the hockey team that Nick used, you're all on the team. By the grace of God, we're all on the team this morning, and praise him for that, and you're valuable. Do you believe that, though? You're valuable and precious in the sight of God. And I want us to think of this question as we're reading through. With what God has given and where he has placed us is gratitude flowing from us. Right now, where you are, what he's given you, is gratitude flowing from you. And my three points for the text today, if you're taking notes, point number one, realizing what we have and who gave it leads to gratitude. Point number two, gratitude leads to joy and exaltation. And point number three, joy and exaltation lead to dedication. Look at the text, 27 through 30. And I'll say this, I've preached a couple times as the intern of, of gone a good amount of time without having to pronounce any difficult names. To, that ends today. So uh, <laughs> just remember, I'm the intern. All right, let's go. All right. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophetites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves the villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. We're going to skip to verse 43. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. I love that. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Church, amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you as your children thankful. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show us the gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ. You would clear our eyes to see just how thankful we need to be. What you have done, apart from all of our wandering from you every single day, your grace is sufficient and your mercies are new every morning. So we praise you, Father, for what you've done. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. And as of hearing the children sing praises and the joy it brought me, I couldn't help but think of how much more joy it is to bring you, Father, hearing your children sing and worship you 
and have a childlike faith. So I pray, Father, that you would give us all a childlike faith and a trust and dependence on you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Point number one, realizing what we have and who gave it leads to gratitude. There's a process to this, right? I can't just have gratitude. I have to understand I've been given something and someone gave it to me. There's a process with it. In Nehemiah, before the wall was built, we know the people were scattered, unprotected, and lost. And they recognized this. They recognized they're wandering from the Lord. They were nothing without God. And absolutely desperate for him. They didn't have any protection, but God moved. He commissioned Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. He protected them against the threat and attacks of the enemy and supplied their every need to build the wall. The people saw they were ill-equipped to, to take on this task and how dependent they were on the Lord. They had a right understanding of who they were apart from God and who God was, and that helped them through this in leaning on the Lord and not their own strength. And when we see ourselves rightly as, yes, loved, but sinful, broken, exiled, lost people, and we see God rightly as, yes, he's just, but, oh, he's merciful and kind, loving, tender Father who cares, cares for each and every one of us. When we see that clearly, gratitude should come. We should have gratitude flowing for, apart from God, who we are is messy. God's grace should bring us to our knees in gratitude and thankfulness. The Apostle Paul explains it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 8. But a God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Our salvation is a gift. It is a precious gift that we've been given. We don't deserve it, yet God in his mercy for us has given it. Praise him for that. And the people here in the text have seen that who they were before this wall came, who they were before God moved, they were a mess. They saw this wall, everything God had done. They were broken, yet now he's brought restoration. They were unprotected, now he has protected them with a wall. They were sad and mourning, and they're filled with joy, all because of God. All because of God. And they recognize this. And for us, the application is for the day-to-day of, yeah, you know what? Even that car that starts 60% of the time, thank you, God, for it. Thank you, God. And in the wintertime, some of you know this very well, in the wintertime, maybe it starts 30% of the time. But thank you, God, for the gift of this car. We can, we can take that into everything. Our perspective can be shifted on his goodness and his mercy and how I don't deserve anything. So I ask this question, do we have understanding of how undeserved we are of the gifts we've been given by God? Because if we see ourselves and God rightly, it will naturally lead us to gratitude. And that gives us point number two. Gratitude leads to joy and exaltation. We see what the people are doing in verse 27. They're celebrating the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. I think for next week when Pastor Nick is back, we should have some harps and lyres and trumpets and stuff in here. I know we have some uh, very uh, talented 
uh, band players in this church so uh, we can have a joyous celebration. I'm sure Nick would love that. But joy is overflowing in the people. They are thankful and returning kindness to the kindness they had first received. And I'll give another question. Are we full of joy and gratitude in this season? Right now, where you are, what you're walking through, what you've been through, are you thankful? Are you full of joy? And this is something that I've preached to myself uh, quite a bit, and this week was uh, good for me to hear. I've needed this. And we can look at some of the stuff that God could be, not God could be, but what could be blocking our joy in this season? Why are we not joyful? If you, you know these things to be true, you know Jesus died on the cross for you, but I'm still not joyful. I'm not feeling the joy. We're going to take a look at some of the things that could be blocking that joy. And the first thing is sin. Uh, I think that's why the text here says the priests and the Levites purified themselves, but also the people, the gate and the wall. There's purification going on. The people saw that their condition needed cleansing. They needed to be spiritually cleansed. Isaiah 59, 2 says this, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so he does not hear. People saw their condition and how far they had wandered. We've seen that in weeks prior with Pastor Nick talking about the generational sin and them recognizing um, the fact that sin has been passed down from generation to generation, and they've wandered so far from the goodness of God. And this was the people in Nehemiah turning, that they want to pass blessing onto the generations to come. So we could apply this to our lives of, I think, a, a daily prayer. If you could join me in this, is going to the Father and asking, Lord, is there any unconfessed sin in my life that is blocking a joy, that is blocking from hearing you, from blocking your goodness in my life, that I'm so, my judgment, my, my vision so cloudy. Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to repent of or turn from? Easy application, hard to do. Easy to say, hard to do at times. Moving on to the next application for what could be blocking your joy. It would be comparison. Anyone who has social media may know a little bit about this. It's easy to scroll the Instagram highlight reel and immediately look at everyone and how perfect they are. And you immediately start to think, why, why am I not measuring up to that person? Why are my kids not so perfectly well-groomed and actually standing still for a picture? That, what's wrong with us? And by doing that, we're doubting God's plan. We are image bearers of God. We are created in his image. So when we are looking to other people and, and seeing their perfection and doubting what the Lord has done in our life, it's an affront to God and his beautiful creation. It's an affront to who you are and where he has you, what he's given you, what he's blessed you with. Because our eyes are constantly somewhere else hoping that we can have what other people have when God has given us gifts. He has blessed us immensely. And I can't say it enough, you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is a gift. That is a gift. Do we feel that in our hearts? Do we feel that in our hearts? What a gift. You are valuable and precious, and that should bring immense joy. Another obstacle uh, can be, if you're not feeling any joy, it could be zooming in. And what I mean by that is when a problem comes up or a trial or a difficult season you're walking through, tend to zoom in on the problem and lose sight of the big picture. And when that happens, we lose sight of God's goodness, his mercy, his grace, and his sovereignty. I tend to do this a lot. I don't know if anyone else here does that, 
but that is something that I've recently been walking through. And uh, I'll share this. I don't know if you guys know my son very well. He was up here on the stage. He actually wasn't part of the team in any way or any rehearsals. Uh, but he decided he wanted to come up here and participate, and, uh, you know, I was proud of him. That was great. Um, gave me a little courage to come up here, too. If he can do that, I can stand up here as well, right? Uh, but for those of you who don't know his story, I'm, I'm about to share with you just a, a quick testimony. But last week, I found myself really grumbling and complaining at how difficult he has been, how rebellious he has been. I feel like he's steps away from picking up a bat and hitting one of his toys. I'm having flashbacks to my childhood, and it's terrifying to me. And I don't know what to do, so I found myself grumbling and complaining of why I'm praying for this little guy. Why can't he just obey oh, Sammy and I, my wife Sammy and I? Why can't he just obey? Grumbling and complaining, zoomed in on the problem, and the Lord reminded me of something. He was born um, a little over three years ago. And uh, before he was born, we only had a, a little girl at the time, Myla Joe, and this was the first boy in the Mudrazo family. He's a carry on the Mudrazo name. There's a little bit of pride with that and excitement and joy and uh, somebody to throw the ball with and, and throw around a whole bunch. Um, and I was so excited about it. And he was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck twice, he was dead, not breathing. Uh, they immediately, um, just probably 10 people surrounding him, uh, bring him, trying to resuscitate him, trying to bring him back to life. Sammy's asking me, is everything okay? Why don't I hear him crying? And I have to lie to her in the moment that he, they're just cleaning him up when I, I see what they're doing, and he's not alive. <clears throat> they rushed him to the NICU and realized they had to airlift him to Children's Hospital in D.C. to undergo brain cooling. And this process, if I remember correctly, it, it gets his body temperature down to like 91 degrees, just wearing a diaper and no clothes, they want to keep him cold so that the swelling in his brain reduces. It, it's not that it can prevent any damage that's already been done, but it's preventing any further damage from the swelling. Long story short, the doctors don't know what healed our son, but he was healed. And we know who healed our son, and it was Jesus. And uh, I lost sight of the fact that in my grumbling and complaining in the moment, I lost sight of the fact that at one point in time, I was pleading and begging with the Father that my son would live. I was begging the Father that he'd be able to walk and talk one day because once he was alive, they said, you know, he might be able to. We don't know. Being hyper-focused on the problem distorts the truth. We need to zoom out and get the full picture of God's goodness and what he's doing. And thankfully, we have the full picture in God's word, the Bible. We have the Old Testament, the New Testament. We can see the whole picture. We can see God's character and heart through the word of God, through every trial that has arisen through the ages, every difficult season and valley that his people have walked through. We get to see the goodness of God in his word, and we can take comfort in that and apply that to our lives when we're walking through a difficult season and can't see, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? We can trust and know that he's a plan and purpose in it. Amen? So we can take joy in the trials, knowing there's no suffering that's wasted. James says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And, and I want you to 
follow with me for a second. Imagine the followers of Jesus right after the crucifixion. Imagine what they're thinking, what they just saw, what they're going through emotionally as they look to the cross and they see their Savior dead. They're focused on the problem, and while they're sad and sulking and and confused, understandably so, of what's going to happen, while they're doing this, hell is being conquered. That in three days' time, death would be defeated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we can zoom out and take comfort when we see the cross. We can take comfort in Jesus Christ. We can trust the Father's plans for our lives. Even if we don't see Him working, we can have joy in the season knowing that He has a plan. He has a plan and purpose. And we don't have to doubt His goodness. We can take assurance in God and who He is as we study His Word. Which brings us to point number three. Joy and exaltation lead to dedication. And there are some questions we could ask of, well, what is dedication? Why would they dedicate a wall? What does this look like? Let's go back to the basics. Definition, dedication is devoting something to a particular purpose or task. So the people here in Nehemiah are saying, we saw who we were before God moved. We saw that we were lost, exiled, broken, scattered, and very full of sorrow. Yet God gave us this gift. He has restored everything that was broken. That is the God we follow. So they they recognize this precious gift that they were given, and the least they can do, because they didn't get it, God provided it, is offer it back to him, saying, thank you. We'll dedicate this wall to you and your purposes, not our own, because our hands didn't get us here. It was all God. And that's with the baseball bat story of, for some reason, I was under the impression uh, that I owned this little thing, that I bought it, but clearly no five-year-old is putting this thing on his Fisher-Price credit card. I didn't buy it. It was bought with a price from my father who worked hard, and I, I didn't have any understanding of what the Lord, or what my father had, had done, and, and my mother, of course. Sorry, Mom. Um, you, I know you wrapped the present for sure, yeah. Uh, but I just lost sight of that, and in my hands, what I took with the gift that was given to me freely, what my hands led to was destruction. And apart from God, where our hands lead us is to destruction. We can take hope and joy in Jesus that he's leading us somewhere. And if you think you're in a dead end, but if you're walking with Jesus, there is no dead end. Amen? So the people are saying thank you. And that's a quick commercial break plug for our baby dedications that are next week. That's what's happening next week, is we are dedicating our children. Our children are a precious gift from God. So we offer them back to him, dedicating them to him and his purposes, not our own, that we as parents will train them up in the way they should go, not in the way we want them to go. Train them up in the way they should go, not the way we just want them to go. And next week I can grab whichever one of my kids and hold them up and yell, I dedicate my child. And if I don't grasp the fact that this child I'm holding is a precious gift from God and the fact that I'm even standing up here is by his grace and what he's done in my life, if I don't grasp that, my dedication ceremony means nothing. It means nothing. It doesn't carry any weight. We have to understand what we've been given and who has given it to us. 
So uh, last couple months, I think we're at almost seven months now, navigating the call out of uh, law enforcement. I was in D.C. for seven years and, and entering into ministry. And uh, as we've been navigating this, my wife and I uh, have wanted to get closer to the community. We live about 30 minutes away, so um, financially we weren't totally sure of how we would be able to, to move and get closer. Um, so we dedicated it to prayer and just started praying. And after two months of praying, Father, if, if it's your will for us to move close, closer, would you open that door for us? And praying and praying and praying. And uh, two months go by, and Sammy, my wife, gets a text from some old family friends. And they say, hey, we might have an interesting way our family can support you guys in ministry. Can we have a phone call? And I'm like, well, yes, of course, but interesting way to support. That's really weird. And my mind was wandering. And the first thing, Sammy, before the phone call, I'm going to share this, Sammy. Don't share it. I'm going to share it. Before the, <laughs> before the phone call, uh, she asked, what does that mean, an interesting way to support? I, and I was like, man, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can really think of is maybe they'll like, because I'm going to seminary right now, maybe they'll say, hey, any A you get in your seminary classes, we'll pay for. And this actually, actually kind of made me sad because I had just taken the pressure off myself to, of perfection. And I had, just, I had just accepted the fact that, hey, bees are okay. Even a C every once in a while is okay. God sees my heart in it. And so I was almost kind of discouraged of, man, if that is, okay, all right, we're back on the train of I got to get all A's. Um, but when we had that phone call, one of the first things they mentioned is, hey, we're not totally sure of your current living situation, but we are trying to move out west and we want to rent our single-family home that's two miles from this church. Um, we want to rent our single-family home to a family that we trust and love, and as we prayed through it, uh, the Lord put you all on our hearts, but we don't know if you even need a place to stay. And um, Sammy was the strong one in this because I, I couldn't contain my emotions in that moment because I knew God had heard. I knew God had heard our prayers, and I was overwhelmed that the fact that even if I was still in law enforcement, I would never be able to afford a home like this. What he has given us is a precious gift, and it's two miles from this church family. Do we understand and grasp, like, this is nothing of my own doing. I can't do that. This is all God. And that's not the best part. I mentioned that we've been praying for two months about this house, and on the phone they say, yeah, two months ago the Lord put you on our hearts, but we've been praying about it ever since. So I can't put a time stamp on the exact time, but I can know with certainty that as we started praying, God was moving, that he was lining everything up we needed because he's a good father and he loves his children and he loves to pour out blessings upon them when we pray according to his will. He's a good, good father and he loves his children and I'm just blown away by that. So I, I share it as in when we move in January, this is nothing we have done for ourselves. This is a gift from God. So the least we could do is give it back to him and dedicate this house to the Lord for his purposes, for his glory, not our own, and uh, give him praise in that home, which um, this was a huge faith, faith builder for my wife and I as well, um, because two months of us not seeing anything happening and seemingly like, all right, I guess we're just not moving, the whole time God was working on hearts. The whole time God was lining stuff up. So I, I lost sight of the fact that I can trust him even when I don't see him moving that he is leading us. He's leading us with a purpose, and you better believe that he will be glorified in it through that time. 1 John 5.14 says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
the comfort in knowing that God hears our prayers. Do you believe that? This morning, every prayer you pray, do you believe that God hears your prayers? Isn't that, I mean, I, for, maybe it's just me, but how much joy does that bring you? That our Lord and Savior hears our prayers and he has good plans for us. Not to harm us, but to prosper us. He's worthy of everything we have. So he's worthy of everything we have. Getting close to wrapping up, we'll look at verse 43. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Their joy was heard far away. Think how loud they're singing, and how for maybe kind of uncomfortable for some of us, like, hey, don't get too loud, or you're singing off-key and that sounds horrible, or you're clapping off-beat. No one cared because they loved God so much. There's a heart posture that I think we need to take note of, is that they were so dedicated to the Lord, they didn't care who heard them, what they sounded like, because their eyes were fixed on their loving Father who cared for them and had them, had them in his hand. I love that. And the text doesn't say this, so I want to be careful, but I'm the intern, so we're going here. Uh, think of it this way. And their singing, their joy was heard from afar. I, I couldn't help but think of, man, the people from afar, what they were hearing, doesn't it make you curious? Like, I kind of want to go see what's going on over there. Maybe they got some chips and dip or something. I can go, you know, grab a couple and come back home. Or, but I just want to see. And the opportunity that comes is when they... They come to the people in this book of Nehemiah and the people here in Nehemiah get to testify of the goodness of God, that they get to point them and show these people who are coming from afar what God has done. Not what they have done, what God has done. So their overflow of exaltation of the Lord naturally leads to evangelism. So our relationship with Christ, our love for him, should naturally flow into evangelism because we want people to taste and see the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Band, you guys can come on up. Um, I promise as I call you up, I'm not going to do the Pastor Nick and you're going to be standing for like 40 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> he, gets a, he gets a fiery, and I don't want him to stop, it's great, but yes, it's, it'll, it won't be too long. Um, so I'm in seminary right now and I had two final papers due Friday night by 11.59 p.m., and I'll just say this, it was a photo finish, but we got it done. And uh, <laughs> praise God, praise God. Christmas break has come, and there is joy this morning. There is joy this morning. But one of my professors, Professor Tony Morita, shared a story uh, recently, and it was this. He says he makes the best guacamole on the East Coast. Now, those of you who make guacamole, highly debatable, but let's just go with it for the sake of the story. He, he says his whole process for making the guacamole is he's adding stuff, tasting, adding stuff, tasting, until it's perfect, until it's so good, he's grabbing a bowl and chips and going around his house telling everyone, you've got to try this, because he's tasted and seen that it's good, and he knows with all his heart that it's good. So he's genuinely overflowing. His love for this guacamole is going through his family and spreading to whoever else is around him. And how much better is Jesus Christ? How much better is what he has done for us on the cross, the victory that we have in the cross. We can trust in him with everything we have because he has given everything for us. There's no one like him. And I, as I conclude, I, I know my previous sermons, I always have a Charles Spurgeon quote. And uh, sad to say, not today, folks. But we have uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. I love this. 
if we believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the only begotten Son of God and that He came into this world and went to the cross of Calvary and died for our sins and rose again in order to justify us and to give us a life anew and prepare us for heaven, if you really believe that, there is only one inevitable deduction, namely that He is entitled to the whole of our lives without any limit whatsoever. We've been given the gift of eternal life in a world of death. We've been given peace in the midst of chaos. We've been given joy in the middle of sorrow, all because of Jesus Christ and his blood shed for us. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who sits on the throne in full control of our lives. We can trust him with everything we have because he first gave everything for us. Amen? Father, I, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We, we bow before you. Oh, there's no one like you. There's no one like you. Worthy is the lamb slain for us. Father, I pray that you would clear our eyes to see just how good you've been to us. That if we don't have the joy, Holy Spirit, show us why we don't and knock it away, Father. I pray that we would be overflowing with the love of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And we would walk in confidence knowing that there's a full plan and purpose for our lives. Even if we can't see it. Even if we can't see it. He's worthy of following. He's worthy of following. Who else will you follow? I think it's C.S. Lewis who says this. Why put your happiness and hope in something that can be lost? Oh, we can't lose the joy of Christ. We can't lose it. So, Father, I thank you for what you've graciously given us, even though we are so prone to wander from you. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. So, Father, we give you praise and glory, and may you be exalted and lifted high this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.